You're listening to a Stranger podcast, www.thestranger.com. Hey, everybody, this is Dan Savage, and this is the Savage Lovecast, the once a week out loud version of my sex advice column, Savage Love. The phone number here, 206 201 2720, and you download the podcast every week at thestranger.com slash savage uh it's sort of the week after thanksgiving around here and it's gray and kind of depressing so we rounded up some of our most depressing phone calls hey dan um well i'm a member of a underrepresented demographic in your podcast i'm a 45 year old uh, stay-at-home dad with three kids and uh, i'm just really unhappy in my marriage. Um, you know, I, I love my job and I love my kids, and and things just aren't great with my with my marriage. I, I um, when the beginning things were okay and uh, and sex was pretty good, but since then uh, things have gone downhill pretty fast. And and um, you know, we used to have sex uh once in a while but now we hardly ever have it at all and 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 i'm not really sure what to do Uh, wow uh your call is really heartbreaking uh and one that most uh advice columnists and advice professionals would avoid because there's no good pat answer yeah in fact i expected you to avoid it because there's no good pat answer (laughs) um the only thing I would, the only bit of advice uh, that leapt to mind while I was listening to your call was, you need to do what you need to do to stay sane. Uh-huh. If you're going to stay for your kids, um, it would be great. I don't know what kind of relationship you have with your wife around dealing with issues and problems, and whether you can be honest about what works or doesn't work. But if you could battle your way towards some sort of acknowledgement that the relationship has shortcomings and mutual acceptance of those shortcomings. Uh-huh. You know, sometimes people who have, you know, slightly dysfunctional relationships that they don't want to end are more at peace with them if both partners could say, yeah, we have some fucked up things about our relationship eh, and nothing's going to change. But we can at least stop pretending like everything's perfect and we're both deliriously happy. Right. Because it can be a burden when you're in a slightly dysfunctional relationship to always have to pretend like everything's roses. Is it possible to lift that burden from you? I mean, what's what you don't mention much like your how your wife feels or whether you can ever talk about these things. Well, I mean, we we don't talk as much as as I would like to. I mean, uh, I'm I tend to be the more sensitive, more open uh, one in the relationship, and she tends to be the husband. Yeah, exactly. I mean, she she tends to be kind of closed emotionally and and physically a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's you know, and she's not. I mean, I don't hate her. I just am not in love with her, and 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 I I wish that. You know, I, I wish I, I I wish that I hadn't gotten into the relationship uh, really, but it's a little late for that. I mean, and your kids wouldn't exist, and you like your kids. And I love my kids, and I'm you know, and 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 she's a great mother. I mean, so it's not as if I have a reason to, you know, for the kids' sake to 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 end the you know the marriage. How old are the kids, Bailey? Um, well, my oldest is is just a year older than your kid. Uh, she's eleven. Mm-hmm. And um, the youngest is two and a half, and then there's a seven-year-old. Okay, so there's a there's a long road ahead of you if you're going to stay until your children are adults. Definitely. Um, so, again, if you don't want to end it, um, and you don't have the kind of relationship where you guys can hash out some sort of working, uh, some sort of understanding. Well, I, guess, I guess kind of what I, I mean. I'm not sure what 
sort of understanding could be, you know, worked out. I mean, I mean, I think she knows that I'm not happy sexually. I mean, I've, you know, basically not been very happy sexually all along, and 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 I think she, you know, she knows that. Um, but I don't really know what, you know, what realistic alternatives they are. I mean, well, I one really realistic alternative to emotionally to make you feel a bit calmer, you know, you can live in despair totally cut off sexually, uh-huh. or you can live in hope. And even if nothing happens, living in hope uh, sometimes helps people stay sane. And right. what I'm referring to is not like go out there and fuck other people uh, or go looking for an opportunity. But, uh, you know, if I were in your shoes, uh-huh. I would tell myself if and when the opportunity presents itself and I can get away with it, I'm going to do it. And that's basically what I've told myself. And and I... I uh, a, f- a few years ago, was almost in a relationship like that with somebody else, and she was married and happily married, and she kind of smartly, I think, um, cut the relationship off before it went too far, um, because I, you know, she fell for me and I fell for her, but but I was willing to keep going, and and, and she didn't want to ruin her marriage, and I'm I'm glad she didn't because you know, she was happy. Well, another instance like that may come along. And it may not be as potentially destructive to two marriages uh-huh. uh, as that one was, and it may be the right piece on the side. Uh-huh. There's a lot of people who got over a rough or grueling patch of a very long-term relationship of you know a multi-decade marriage uh-huh. with a little uh, you know bridge sex with somebody else right. that then gets you know stuffed down the memory hole and buried. But but for that you know in the absence of that sanity-preserving bridge sex, the relationship would have died. Right. You know, whenever we talk about infidelity or adultery, it's always, you know, with what evidence we have of it, which is always a big, messy divorce or revelation or conflict. Right, right. exactly. And you then know, whenever you do the you know, surveys, that, that, you know, they show that there's a quite a high rate of pe- uh, you know, people who say that they have had extramarital affairs. Right. It's like there's plenty of it out there. Right. But whenever we talk about it in public, it's when it's, you know, led to a crack-up or a disaster. You know, the adulteries and the infidelities that made it possible for someone to stick around long enough for their, you know, original and primary relationship to revive uh-huh. are never acknowledged. Right. Otherwise, the relationship never would have revived in the first place. Right. So uh, that may be the case. You know, maybe in, you know, five years or ten years, you and your wife will fall in love with each other again. Maybe uh-huh. something will breathe new life into this. Or maybe then you'll part when you both feel the kids are a little older and can handle it. Right, right. Well, well, part of me, you know, wants to do that. Uh, you know, sort of wait till the kids are, are, are older, and 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 you know, it'll be less hard on them to separate. But that's not going to be for years. I mean, I wouldn't do that until my youngest goes to college at the earliest. Well, my parents separated when I was 16, and I was destroyed. So it's not uh-huh. like teenagers or college students. Right. It's any easier. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure that's true. So, I mean, if you can leave your wife, if you're not completely financially dependent on her. No, I'm not. And, and you know, we're, we, we both have income. And, and so that there's, no, no, there's none of that. The financial issues are, are, are not existent. You don't Oh, it. you know, I, I'm talking on both sides of my mouth now. I'm saying do what you have to do to stay sane if you want to stay in this marriage for your kids. Uh-huh. You also don't owe your kids a lifetime of misery. Right. And there's always the argument, and it's frequently made, and we'll get calls about it, that... You know, children whose parents stayed in the marriage for the children perceive that frequently, and given their druthers, would have 
preferred their parents divorced. Right. I mean, have... I've, I've, I've read, read that, too, but that's also one of those things where, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Right, right. <laughs> and I think people who say that are often referring to really stormy marriages. Right. Where people, you know, really conflict-ridden, crockery-throwing, right. you know, well, shitstorm marriages where those. people stay together for the kids. You know, if you have a sort of, you know reasonable, functional detente with your wife and you're comfortable with each other and, and there's just these big things that don't work that make you unhappy and you can bridge them and stay, perhaps your children would prefer that. Uh-huh. But those are questions you ha- only you can answer. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I think they would. And, and, and the, you know, the, the frustrating thing, and, that, and it just there isn't an easy answer, is, you know, uh, listening to, uh, to, to the sex cast and, and your podcast and, and everything, you know, thinking about all the people who are getting laid out there all the time, and, and, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, yeah, that is a torment. Yeah. Um, we all go through periods in our, li- in our life like that, though. Yeah. Uh, you know, when we were, you know, post-puberty young people and we weren't getting laid, we were tormented by the notion that all these other people out there were getting laid and yeah. one day we'll be geriatrics and we'll be tormented by all the sex we're not able to have anymore. Right. Well, that, that, that's sort of the other thing. When you're an adolescent, I mean, you, you know that, that uh, you know, you're still, uh, you're, your sexual peace is yet to come. And, and uh, um, when you're you know, 45, you're, you're headed downhill and you're, you're thinking, God, you know, my best years are behind me and now you know, I'm still not getting laid. <laughs> yeah. And if not now, when? Yeah. Which is why, uh, you know, I, I'm going to get yelled at when when all the options are bad. You can only prescribe bad options. Like get a divorce, leave your wife, break your children's hearts, yeah. cheat on your wife, and potentially there'll be a big explosion if that's revealed or not. If it's not, right. you know. And I, I think your suggestion of trying to come to some sort of amicable uh, understanding uh, of of where the relationship is and and what. Have you ever had a conversation with your wife where you said? Clearly, we don't have a sexual bond anymore. Sex isn't important. It's not what our relationship is about. If something happens for you with someone else sexually, but we stay together, I'm cool with that. Are you cool with that for me? So long as you know, there's no nothing public, and you know, we, we were each other's first priority always. But clearly, this isn't what our relationship is about. And can we just acknowledge that? And then go on as you are, as you are now, without this pressure of. You know, feeling her feeling probably fully responsible for your sexual fulfillment. You feeling frustrated because you're not sexually fulfilled because of the breakdown in your relationship. Yeah, with your well, wife. hold on a second. But yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm glad you called me, and and, and there aren't any easy answers. And... Again, I would just say live in hope instead of despair, and, and try to hash out some sort of acknowledgement uh, with and from your wife about the reality of the situation. Thank you very much for sure thing. Calling. Okay, so I got an email from you at the podcast, which is not the way the podcast is supposed to work. Uh, I called you because you said you wanted this on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, But I need you to ask me the question out loud now on the phone. And we're calling you because it's a time-sensitive problem, you said, and we wanted to rush some advice to you. Yes. (laughs) Um, Although it might be already too late. Oh, really? uh, Well, I mean, okay, so I'll tell you my problem. Um... I am a straight female, age 25, and I'm supposed to move in with my boyfriend in a different city. That's New York City, so it's not an easy city um, in about a week, um, actually now three days. <laughs> um, I have a job waiting for me there. Um, we've been long distance 
for about a year and four months, and it's like all of a sudden all these problems have surfaced. Um, one of the problems is that I, I can't orgasm during intercourse, and it makes him feel both like he's inadequate and that I am flawed. Uh, and he says he is aware of women's physiology about orgasms and intercourse, but he has always chosen partners in the past who are able to do it. Um, and it's just sort of a fluke that I can't, but he chose me anyway. Um, it makes me feel that it makes him feel that I like I don't appreciate his efforts, and uh, he doesn't like going down on me because it's not reciprocal. And <laughs> he's found it unpleasant in the past. Um, some reasons are fixable, like my big bush, which I've trimmed, and some not, like the fact that I can only usually come while I'm laying on my back, and that position hurts his neck. Um, can we stop here for a minute? Yeah. Your boyfriend sounds I'm like really a, nervous. He sounds like a total asshole, a total douche. Why are you moving to New York to be with this guy? Because I love him. Because you love him, even though he's a total asshole and a total douche, and he sounds really selfish in bed, and sounds like he's been lied to by... How old is he? He's 24. Okay. He's 24? Yeah, I'm sure every woman that he's ever slept with in his whole life has been able to orgasm from vaginal intercourse alone. Even though even though 75% of women can't orgasm from vaginal intercourse alone, I'm sure he's just fucking the Yahtzee champ, and every dice roll he throws, he comes up with one of those, 25%. Yeah, I, I told him he's probably had some fakes. Yeah, I think he's had a few fakes. And it's really sexually immature of him. It's really manipulative. It's really sexually abusive for him to mow-mow you like this and for him to compare you to past girlfriends like this. It doesn't matter how his past girlfriends uh, worked physiologically or how they responded sexually. What should matter to him in this moment, if he's your lover, is how you work and what gets you off. He doesn't have some sort of constitutional right to a girlfriend who can have an orgasm during vaginal intercourse. And you ain't flawed. I know. Don't move in with him. And this, like, oh, my neck bullshit? Do you you go down on him? Yeah, but I love it. Okay, so what does it, oh, what does it mean that it's not reciprocal? You're going down on him. Why can't he go down on you? Well, it's not reciprocal at the same time. Because he can't 69? He doesn't get any pleasure out of it. Oh, well, tough fucking shit. There are sometimes when you're in bed with somebody that you do for them because you want to get them off, because it's your job to get them off. Mm-hmm. It's not comfortable when my boyfriend shoves his dick all the way down my throat. Yeah. I'll, I'll come there and I'll shove my dick all the way down your boyfriend's throat to show him what you're going through. Do it. When you give him head. <laughs> it's not necessarily that comfortable. You learn to like... You learn to enjoy the pleasure that you're giving. You learn to get you 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 ramp up to that turning you on because you make a psychological commitment to that turning you on. It turns me on when I give my boyfriend head because it turns him on to receive head. It's not like having my soft palate bashed back into the rear end of my skull feels that great all by its lonesome. Yeah. In the context of giving him pleasure, it gives me pleasure. And if he can't get yeah, there, he's too sexually true. mature to move across the country to be with. It's like 90% I'm happy and... Uh, okay, well, then you know what you have to do? You know what you have to put your chips? If, you, if, like, if you're 90% happy with this guy, but he has these glaring, really, I think, red flags around fear of female sexuality and a desire to control you sexually in a way that is unfair and misogynistic, 
And you know, I don't throw words around like that very often. I think they're abused. But I think he's a. I think the way he interacts with you sexually is, you know, quasi emotionally abusive. Okay. If you, if but if the night if the rest of him is just so deliriously fabulous that you're still contemplating moving in with this jackass, you have to you have to gamble on eradicating that ten percent or, or, or wiping that ten percent out. You have to say. If you want to be with me, here's what I require of you. Yeah, and I require I'll... you to eat my fucking pussy without bitching and bitching and bitching about it. And you know what? You can get a get a bed on a box spring on a frame off the floor, and you can scoot your ass down to the end of the bed, and he can kneel at the end of the bed, and then he doesn't have to get a crank in his neck while you're flat on your back getting your pussy eaten. Okay. Okay. And he has to do what it takes. To get you off when you have intercourse, he can fuck you. I mean, have you tried using a vibrator on yourself while he fucks you? Have you tried? Has he tried using his hands on your clit while he fucks you? Yeah. And it doesn't work. It's okay. He complains about it, and it's. Oh! Okay. He complains about that because <laughs> it makes him feel inadequate because it shatters his little sponge sugar glass male ego around the primacy and the fucking triumph of his dick. It's hard for him to reach around. Oh, oh my God! It's hard for him to reach around. You're having your orifice pounded to a mush by by this guy ramming his dick in and out of you, and it's taxing of him to reach around and touch your clit. Why are you putting up with this? I'm not saying you shouldn't be with him, but if you're going to be with him, it is your mission to fix him sexually for your own good. Or the good of the women who are going to come after you and wind up tragedy for them in bed with this asshole. Yeah, you can't well, let him go I'm, I'm on pretty, like this. I'm pretty determined not to let him go on like this. Um, then move to New York and move in with him if that's what you want to do. But draw a line in the sand. This stops now. He's 24 fucking years old. He wants to have sex. And you just absolutely positively should not have sex with him under these circumstances. Mm-hmm. We will have sex. You will get me off. I will get you off. If you can't get me off, if you can't be bothered, you will not have sex. That's what you got to tell him. You'll not have sex with me, motherfucker. In the lives of all young straight men, there is the girlfriend who made them better. There's the girlfriend who fixed them. There's the girlfriend who undid the damage that was done to the guy by the high school girlfriends who weren't assertive sexually, who let him get away with bullshit sexually, who let him think it would be just like porn, who let him bitch about the crick in their neck while he shoved bare dicks down, you know, his dick down their throats. There's the girlfriend who draws a line in the sand and makes demands and makes him a better lover and a better person. And you, if you move in with him, you have to be that girlfriend. If you can't be that girlfriend, if you can't make those demands, don't fucking move in with him. Find a guy that some other girl has already fixed. Well, I think he's worth it. Then move in with him and fix him. And I, yeah, okay. But you can't swallow this bullshit, and you can't let it go on, and you can't break up and move out without at least having made an effort. And you know what? If you don't fix it, if you don't make the effort, it's not going to work. Yeah. Because you're not going to stay under these circumstances. So go and risk it working out by being assertive and stopping and ceasing to put up with this bullshit. All right? Yeah. And then give us a call back and let us know what happened. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. And if you all want right, me, g- you give me his fucking cell phone number, I'll call him and tell him all this myself. <laughs> okay. 
Well, he'll probably listen to this. Okay. Yeah, make him listen to it. I'm going to make him listen to it. (laughs) Okay, if you're listening to this, boyfriend, shape the fuck up, you pig. Or you're going to lose this woman. And you're going to lose every woman that comes along after her, because it's bullshit what you're trying to do. Bullshit. There. Hi, Dan. My mother's a lesbian, although she's, she's not out, and I'm really the only person that knows about it, other than her mistress. Um, my parents are still married, and they live together very unhappily. Um, Mom's gay, and I know she really just wants to run off with um, her lover. Um, but my dad's a one-woman kind of guy, and he's very old school, and um, losing my mom would just crush him. And the holidays are always kind of the, the worst times because it ends up just bringing out the worst in both of them. And I usually go home, and Mom's probably locked up in a psychiatric ward at a state hospital, and Dad never wants to talk about it, and just doesn't talk about anything. And I'm, I come from a huge, old, Western Catholic ranching family, and I'm the only gay person that's out. Um, and the only reason I think my family is okay with it is because they found out about my being gay in the, afternoon, in the aftermath of the suicide attempt, and, you know, they kind of had to cut me from slack for that because, you know, they may not like the gay thing, but they didn't want me dead, at least. Um... But I know that mom would not be cut any slack, um, and she'd be ostracized by the family. So I don't really have many options. No matter what I do, even if I don't do anything at all, one of my parents is going to be deeply unhappily unhappy for the rest of their lives, and I don't want that. But, you know, it's a gay question, and... None of my therapists have ever really given me a satisfactory answer. They're just like, oh, how interesting, how does it make you feel? But I need a course of action, you know? Tell me what to do. So I got your message. Oh. And you want a course of action, and I have one. Oh, good, good. And it's actually really simple, and it'll solve everything. Okay. Mind your own fucking business. Really? Yeah. Like, there's a point in your life as a child when your parents stop meddling and they stop controlling your life and what is that point that's that point in your life when you become an adult right yeah your parents are adults and it's not your job to fix their marriage or to make them sane or to stop them from being so fucking crazy and dysfunctional not only can't you do it or shouldn't you do it you can't do it your parents have made their bed they're doing what they're doing you know, you could say something to your mother, like, how is it that you know that your mother's a lesbian, by the way? Well, uh, I had actually known um, the the woman she's seeing before she did. You know, I came from a very small town, and there's a very, very small gay clique. And she was one of them I met through another friend. And, um, you know, you just kind of pick up on things and encounter you know, I'd walk down to the basement and, you know, there'd be, you know, there they would be, you know, just like not doing that, but, you know, close enough that it's like, that's not, you know, what friends do. And, and this has been going on all your life? Um, I've mostly known for the last five or six years. How old are you? I'm 25. You're 25. And so, are, do you and your mother have an, uh, are you honest with each other about the fact that she's a lesbian? Does she acknowledge she's a lesbian? Has she outed herself no. to you? No, she's, she admitted once that she had an affair, but she was kind of um, drunk and stoned at the time. So 
I can't really. Okay, you know. so it's not like you. Can, it's not like your mother has told, said, "Hey, I'm a lesbian. I'm with this woman. Don't tell your father." Yeah. So this is all you reading into this situation, and you may be reading it exactly right, but uh-huh. it's not like your mother has put you in a position where she's confided things in you that you're to keep from your dad. Oh no, no. But I just, I just feel like I should because they're just so absolutely miserable. I think, and. I don't know. I want, I want, I want mom to come out and say, "Look, I'm gay, and <laughs> I'm going to go live with this woman that I obviously love." And but maybe one of the reasons your mom loves this woman, uh, or is able to love this woman, is because she doesn't live with this woman. Um, sometimes there's the piece on the side, and it's a g- glorious relationship in part because it's on the side. Uh, maybe whoever is stuck with your mother full-time, uh, your mother will make miserable or will be made miserable by. Um, and, and it's not your job to fix it. You know, it would be great if mom could come out and everyone could be happy and dad wasn't such a conservative jerk. But nothing you could say or do is going to help or fix anything. You, you know, you could say your piece to both your parents, knowing what you know, which is, you guys, maybe you'd be happier apart. And you could say it just that quickly and then be done. Forever. Yeah. You are not your parents' parent. They're not children. You can't fix them. How long they've been together? Uh, close to 30 years. Stop deluding yourself about being able to do anything about this situation. It would be great if you could. I mean, one of the reasons you want to is because it's, it sucks for you, too. When yeah. you go home and they're so, they're so shitty to each other and you have to walk into this storm. And the option for adult children at those points, uh, at that point, is to go home less, is to subject yourself to it less. It's not yeah, to fix that, it. that has been my, my plan of action. But that's it. That's all you can do. So do you want a marching orders? Mind your own fucking business. Say your piece once, just to get it off your chest, and then see them as little as possible. Yeah, I, that, would, that would work. Or see them one I, at a time. See them one at a time. Uh, See them one at a time. Have mom fly out and spend the weekend with you wherever it is you live. Make arrangements to go golfing with dad or whatever people from big western ranching families do on the weekend. And don't see them together. You can divorce them. Yeah, that's true. In your own life. And see them one at a time and only one at a time. Except perhaps at holidays. And then you should drink heavily and get stoned a lot. Yeah, I do that too. (laughs) Well, enjoy Philadelphia Airport. Oh, thanks. Okay, bye. Basically, there's this girl that I've been, like, best friends with for over a year, and um, we, she has a ton of emotional baggage. She she dated a guy a while ago who beat, beat the shit out of her. Um, she, she, a lot of ex-boyfriends used her for just sex, that kind of thing. So, you know, I was... I was a friend before I knew all this, and it was when I learned all this stuff that I said, really, well, Jesus Christ, yeah, this is a really shitty life. So, you know, I wanted to be there for her more often. After a while, uh, she was in between uh, people. She was single. She had just gotten over a really shitty relationship. And uh, she told me that she... My phone's dying. She told me that she had a huge crush on me, and she always liked me, blah, 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 blah. We decided to give it a shot. We dated. Um, she broke up with me after, like, a week, and she wouldn't tell me why. She does this thing where she randomly disappears and uh, doesn't talk to anybody, not even her family or friends, nothing. And she did that to me a couple times. And so after 
long story short, we 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 talked. We we went to talking. We went there not talking. Blah blah blah. We're best friends again. It's awesome. But she still got the same feelings for me. Uh, there's this tremendous amount of sexual tension between us. She's dating a guy an ex of hers, living with him and his brother, but she wants to leave him, she blah, 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 I don't think she knows what the hell she wants. My better senses are telling me to move on and forget this girl. Um, I probably should. I mean, I can be friends with her and everything, but she she wants to be moving with me because I'm getting my own place. She wants to fuck my brand left and right. I don't know what to think. So I need to hear it from somebody forthright as you. All right. So I'm going to give it to you straight. I wish I could call you. You didn't leave the phone number. Um, you were wrong to get involved in a friendship with this girl in the first place because you had an ulterior motive. You just weren't trying to help. Clearly you're attracted to her. You're into her. Otherwise you wouldn't be putting up with her bullshit. Uh, you know, she sounds like an emotionally manipulative piece of shit. Uh, I hope that's not putting too fine a point on it. It sounds like she jerks a lot of guys around. She may very well have been abused or been in abusive relationships and gotten the shit kicked out of her by an ex-boyfriend. Waka, waka, waka. But she is manipulating you and probably manipulating a lot of other people at the same time. She sounds like one of those people who likes to have a lot of drama in her life, who likes to be the star of a big fucking sweeping epic uh, drama. And those people can be exhausting. Those people frequently style themselves as victims. I'm not saying that there aren't people out there who are victims uh, and, you know, Possibly she is one of them. It's not also mutually exclusive that she couldn't have been victimized and also be a victimizer or an emotionally abusive piece of shit. Um, But that sounds like what she is, you know, going out with you and then dumping you and then moving to some other guy and now suddenly wanting to be with you again because you're getting your own place. Like, how the fuck old are you people? Like, 12? Knock it off. Don't see her. Don't be her friend. Don't have a sexual relationship with her. It's not going to get any better. It's always going to be this kind of crazy bullshit roller coaster action and it, you sound too level-headed for it you sound sane and you need to stop thinking about her pussy and however beautiful and wonderful and tight it was because clearly you're thinking with your dick a little bit here and just think about the ups and downs and the the craziness that comes with this woman and go cold turkey you can't be her friend you can't be friends with someone who is a drama seeking missile and she is a drama seeking slash creating missile and an emotionally manipulative piece of shit and you should have nothing to do with her hi dan um i'm a 29 year old female and i'm calling to ask you some advice about getting back into a relationship um with the guy that i dated for two months and fell head over for him um, and then he kind of fell off the planet and stopped calling me and you know I sent him a scathing email etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, turns out that I found out from his roommate that he was actually engaged and um, we well, became engaged once we had hanging out and um, recently last week after listening to a marathon of your podcast and feeling very proactive about seizing control of my love life I went ahead and sent him a text message after four months of no communication, seven months of not seeing him. And I basically just asked him how he's doing, not really expecting a reply, and he did reply. And we actually ended up getting together, in which case he told me that his engagement is, um, for all intents and purposes, off. And um, in the past week, I've seen him three times. And I have a connection with this person, like I have not experienced since I was 15 years old. I'm currently 29. So um, to the point where, you know, I look in his eyes and I feel all of those wobblies, et cetera, um, he's telling me that 
you know, he wants to spend time with me, that he likes being around me. I'm telling him the same thing. We're both not really sure where this is going or how to navigate. He's still, you know, a little bit ensconced in this relationship with his fiance and on the verge of getting out. But I'm just wondering what you, what your advice for me would be, you know, if I should trust this person, if it's uh, worth it to really listen to my gut instinct on him, which is very strong and almost overpowering, or if I should be more wary about it and, um, you know, be careful. So I just would like your feedback and thank you very much. You had me until for all intents and purposes off in reference to the engagement you know, this engagement for all intents and purposes is off. It's not off. He's still with this woman. He's still engaged to this woman. Technically, he's still getting married. Nothing has changed. Um, he may be as attractive as you say he is. He may make you feel whatever it is that you claim to feel. Uh, you may be head over heels in love with him. He may be the person you should be with. But if he's free, he needs to be free you shouldn't date him or be with him or hang out with him or fuck him until he breaks off that engagement. Clearly, he shouldn't marry this woman. Clearly, she's not, he's not convinced that she's the one that he wants to be with for the rest of his life or it sounds like for the rest of the week. He shouldn't be with this other woman. He shouldn't be engaged to this other woman. If he's dating other people, if he's fucking other people, he's not a stand-up guy. You can make him that stand-up guy. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be with him or you guys aren't going to get married and have babies and be together for the rest of the fucking lives. But he's got to, like, man up. He's got to end the engagement with the other woman and date you if he's going to date you. And since you feel so strongly about him, you have to make that demand. You're not trifling around. He is, maybe. And the proof that he may be trifling with you and with this other woman is that he's still engaged to her. He should feel strongly enough about you to end the engagement with her. If he won't do that, don't see him. All right, we're going to wrap up this long, depressing podcast uh, with a few emails that hopefully won't be as depressing. Dear Dan, I love the column and really love the podcast, but I'm going to be complaining McComplainerson. Episode 55 grossed me out with all your candy smacking and licking your lips and chewing. In my ears, it was gross. Please, please, please don't eat anything else during the podcast ever again. Uh, I, I won't. I promise until I do. Dear Dan, I am outraged, outraged at your use of the word scrotum to mean wussy because scrotums are supposedly so delicate and weak. I'll have you know that my boyfriend's scrotum can take some serious abuse and is none the worse for wear. Any research into CBT or even CBGB will confirm that scrotums can be just as tough as pussies. I suppose that while pussies and scrotums can learn to live in peace and have coffee while commiserating about their mutual neighbor who's a real asshole. On podcast 57, you mispronounced Tuskegee. I have never heard anyone pronounce it the way you did. You said Tuskegee. It is pronounced Tuskegee. Don't hate me for correcting you, but it was very strange to hear a smart dude like you use a good analogy, but mess up the word. Very sorry about that. Dear Dan, let me begin by saying that as a college professor, it feels a little naughty to have such a subject line, the subject line being scrotum versus pussy on this email. Anyway, I'm emailing with a response to the recent caller who pointed to the C-sections. Anyway, I'm emailing with a response to the recent caller who pointed to C-sections as evidence of so-called pussy failure. 
putting aside that one must be particularly pathetic, insecure, and all-around loathsome motherfucker to carry this conversation to such an infantile extreme, I mean, come on, you're actually faulting the very biological process that created your sorry little ass, I thought this point should be raised in response. The take-home of the attached essay... Uh, which I won't read to you, but is the following. The medicalization of the birthing process has led to high rates of unnecessary intervention, including, you guessed it, C-sections. In other words, the rate of C-section is not evidence of pussy failure. C-sections are overused and often unnecessary. Cheers, Tracy, the wayward professor. Thank you, everyone who emailed us. The email is mail at savagelove.net. But for the podcast, we much prefer phone calls at 206-201-2720. Try to keep it to under two or three minutes and include a phone number and your name so we can give you a call back if we want to uh, chat with you live, live, live on tape for the podcast. And you download this uh, bullshit every week at thestranger.com slash savage. And we'll be back at you next week for another podcast.